Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Welcome back to Clutch Gene Sports. I'm your host, Rohan Chakravarti, alongside your other host, Marco Martinez. We've got a fun show today, the 49ers. It's combine time, which means it's draft talk time. A ton of news going on. You're seeing players, you know, be involved with the 49ers in meetings and things like that. I personally will be at the Combine tomorrow. But before that, we're going to get into it. We're going to break down the strategy for the 49ers, what exactly we think they should do, and all of that right after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. As I said, I'm your host, Rohan Chakravarti. We've got some nice Niner talk today, and I'm here with my guy, Marco. Marco, how you doing, my man? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. I mean, we've got a lot going on overall. Like I said, the NFL Combine's going on. The Niners are in the midst of figuring out their defensive coordinator position. You're hearing about some new interviews. We've got a lot going on in the Niners world, as usual. Absolutely. Definitely interesting. Let's get straight to it. I know... Fortnite's just interviewed another defensive coordinator candidate. Um, they also announced that they interviewed Steve Bullock today, and that was reported by Adam Schefter. Um, they also reported that they interviewed um, I'm not too sure on his name. I'm uh I uh defensive back um, coach from Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh it is David Merritt, the defensive backs coach from the Kansas City Chiefs. But go ahead, let us know what he's about. So I brain farted on his name, but um, I do know when I looked it up right away, um, he's coached Super Bowl caliber teams, right? Like when you look at what he's coached, he coached the New York Giants um, for a long time. He won two Super Bowls against the New England Patriots. So he went up against Tom Brady, um, beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. Um, Obviously, he was a defensive backs coach. He has not been a defensive coordinator coach. He's also been a linebacker coach um, prior to coaching in the NFL level. Um, he's been with the Kansas City Chiefs since 2017, I believe, or 2019, I believe. Sorry, 2019. Um, since then, he's won a few Super Bowls with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, obviously, two against the Niners. Kind of gives you an insight on what the Niners are thinking about in terms of defensive coordinator position. They're not being strictly internally. They're not going with the biggest name. They're going with who they truly believe could be a great scheme fit. Um, and when you look at what Merritt has been has done. He's coached a great defensive line. Obviously, he was on a great defensive line team with the New York Giants both years. I felt like they had one of the best, stronger defensive line groups um, in the NFL um, at that time. When you play against Mah- uh, Mahomes every day in practice, you kind of understand how to beat Mahomes. But my, my biggest thing is, is Kyle understands that Steve Spagnuolo has the defense that could shut his offense down. And to me, Kyle going that route kind of shows a lot about Kyle in the terms of 
he's evolving as a head coach in the sense of he isn't afraid to go out and get a head a defensive coordinating candidate that could stop his offense, right? Like he understands that offense and that scheme has slowed him down in the play on Super Bowl twice, held him to 20 points. Um, so I'm definitely curious to see what you have to say about that um, merits interview or, or who do you think they're, the last interview is going to go to? They did say they were going to interview two more candidates. What is your thoughts and opinion on that interview so far? I think it's an intriguing, intriguing person. I mean, when I'm looking at the interviews, I'm I'm, I'm looking at certain ca- characteristics. <clears throat> what have they coached in the past? Where have they coached in the past coaching tree, especially when you consider external candidates? And this is an external candidate. The 49ers are required by the Rooney rule to be compliant uh, with at least interviewing two uh, minority candidates that are external, but you're going to be, if you think that this is just to comply with the Rooney rule, that's absolutely incorrect. I mean, Dave Merritt is a guy who definitely has the background to be capable of being a defensive coordinator. You point out his recent work. He's been with the Kansas city Chiefs since 2019. Um, who's he worked with? Charverius Ward, who was on that 2019 super bowl winning team. Merritt has now gone on to win three different super bowls with the chiefs during this recent run, the start of their dynasty. He's also been integral in other players. You talk about Legereus Sneed, arguably the top corner in this free agency period. He was a fourth-round pick back in 2020 and now is one of the top uh, corners in the NFL. The Chiefs made a youth movement this past offseason, chose to get younger, ended up starting rookie corners. You have Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, both earning starts this year, both you know, had solid enough seasons for where they were drafted. And again, it, it, it all goes to the development. I'm not going to put all the, you know, all the credit or all the blame on one person, but the track records there for Merritt, who has coached all pros before he's coached uh, pro bowlers before, uh, you know, marquee names like Buda Baker, like Tyron Matthew. And funny enough, um, it's all connected because he was Steve. He was on Steve Wilkes's staff back in 2018. He was Steve Wilkes's first hire when Steve Wilkes was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals back in 2018 during Buda Baker's rookie year, helped him, uh, I, I believe, go to over 100 tackles in that rookie season. Before that, with the Giants, and I think the most intriguing part, though, to me is not only did he play before, he was a former linebacker, uh, had a short, short stint in the NFL. He's coached like literally every defensive position. He's coached outside linebacker. He's coached defensive line. He's coached defensive end. He's coached linebackers. He's coached secondary. He's coached, you know, he's literally had nearly every single role as a defensive coach throughout his illustrious 20 plus year career as a, as an NFL coach. So I think this, this move is intriguing. Do I think he's the front runner? I don't know if I'll go as far to say that for the sole reason that he has a strong tie to New York. He has even said publicly that he would welcome a return back to the New York Giants. So you're curious to see whether, you know, this move is a precursor to that or whether he would take this move. Maybe New York is the only spot where he'd go outside of being in Kansas City. Who knows? But nonetheless, an interview was there and it was a a very intriguing candidate nonetheless. What's also intriguing, too, is the fact that he's coached with Steve Wilkes. A lot of times coaches will immediately pick up the phone on where they're interviewing for and in what position it's for replacing Steve Wilkes. Obviously it's a situation where the Niners um, didn't end well with the Niners. Right. So he's probably picking up the phone and asking Steve Wilkes, Hey, what is your thoughts on Kyle? What's your thoughts on the organization, the defensive schematics that they want to run? What are the principles? Um, Just trying to figure out as much as you can at the end of the day, 
the Niners are doing the interviewing, but he's also interviewing the Niners, right? It'll be his first opportunity as a defensive coordinator at the NFL level. So he's also interviewing the Niners because as a minority candidate, they often only get one true opportunity. So it's not like he's going to go in just because it's an opportunity for him. Um, definitely intriguing. The Niners also um, stated that they interviewed uh, Daniel Bullock today. Me and Rohan have given our thoughts on that. The NFL Combine is fully underway. The Niners have met with a lot of players at the Combine. They met with a couple of defensive ends, defensive linemen, cornerbacks. Um, I heard that they inter- they're they planning on interviewing um, a few offensive tackles. Um, some guys, Kingsley, Sua Mataia. Um, they plan on interviewing Tyler Guyton, uh, Jordan Morgan, as well as Roger uh, Rosengarten. And this is all throughout the draft process, not necessarily at the Combine in particular. I was told they plan on meeting with all of those guys. It wasn't necessarily at the Combine. But um, the Niners have draft needs, right? Uh, every team going into the draft, they have needs. What is the Niners' biggest draft need going into the Combine? Where should they be focusing where are you going to be focusing? Obviously, you'll you'll be boots on the on the ground while you're at the combine. Um, you get there, I believe, tomorrow. Um, so you get to interview a lot of athletes, a lot of players there. Um, what is the biggest need, in your opinion, for the 49ers during the draft? Yeah, this is a great question. And before I get into it, I do want to say there are a lot of people who might not be as happy that the Niners are interviewing a lot of defensive linemen. Um, guys, first of all, this all the information comes out directly from the prospects and they are d- divvied up into different days. Defensive line and linebackers was today. There's going to be a carryover. I, I know, I, I know ahead. you can get the information from the players while they're asking, but you could also get the information from other yeah. people as well. Right? Like, so it was not, I, I know I have seen people like stating their frustration, but expressing that the fan base needs to relax and calm down uh, in terms of the interviews that are going out. That is true. Players normally will ask people always to typically the main question they ask at the combine is what have you interviewed with this team, right? There's teams that are just trying to figure out who is interested in, in what player. Um, but if you have, if you go to other people and you ask, you could find questions and answers to oh, yeah. who's being interviewed. Um, but mainly the, the reason why that, that was mentioned is because there's a lot of people there on the ground and mainly we're getting feedback from, uh, defensive linebackers, defensive linemen, and stuff like that. But my bad to cut you off, Rohan. No, you're right. And so you'll probably hear a good amount about offensive linemen. Um, I, I've put out some feelers. You'll probably hear a lot about offensive linemen over the weekend on Saturday when they're uh, being requested. But let's talk about draft needs. I mean, overall, when I look at biggest draft need, I look across the board. I see where are the 49ers lacking a starter. Last year, we did the same exercise. You know, that was a team that was pretty complete. I think this year, the team isn't going to change as much. You see, not many core players are going to be free agents. You have a majority of the core. You have the option to keep a majority of the core on this team. Personally, I believe that that will be the case um, for one more season before a significant amount of change in 2025. But you also want to project for the future. And so to me, I think the biggest draft need stems in the trenches. I honestly think it's between the two lines. Um, If you look at offensive line, I think the 49ers have a average offensive line. And really, it's below average if you don't include Trent Williams. I think Aaron Banks is average, and I think everybody outside of him is average to below average um, outside of Trent Williams. So I think right now you want to see 
I, I don't think you're going into the draft saying we're going to only target this position, but you want to see who can upgrade that that position. And there are certainly viable candidates at 31 and across the board throughout the draft. And so I think offensive line is definitely a need, but I don't think it's just tackle. I think tackle, guard, or even center could be potential needs in this draft, depending on how the 49ers address free agency. Elsewhere, I think defensive line is going to be a need as well. Why? Because if you're looking at the needs in terms of potential starters, the 49ers don't have that second defensive end right now. I don't know if they trust anybody currently on their roster to fill that void. If you look at the free agents, you're losing Randy Gregory, Chase Young, and you're also missing out on Cleveland Farrell. Now, one of those guys, multiple of those guys could return, but right now it's un- uh, it's unknown. They could have all priced themselves out of San Francisco's range. They could go elsewhere. And so I think you might need a defensive end. That's another position where there's going to be talent available both at 31 and across the board throughout the draft, given how this edge class is. I think that that's another need. I I see how the comment points out corner. I think that's also important because when you look at the when you look at the board, that's another place where you're probably going to want one more starter. Now, that might be a position, though, the 49ers fill in free agency. You might look to get a nickel in free agency, maybe even look to get an outside guy on free agency on a mid-tier salary. Um, but I'm going to go with offensive line and defensive line. And I think you you mentioned great points, right? Looking at the 49ers, they have six free agents that are defensive linemen. Uh, they have only three of the starters coming back. When you actually look at the defensive line, you look at Eric Armstead coming off an injury, has had injury years. He's already getting up there in age, older contract. You got to start also planning for the future. It's not necessarily yeah. going with this core for the next six, seven years. The core is getting old. Like we have to admit the core is getting older. Um, so I think that D line is definitely a need. Um, looking at the 49ers roster, the way they built it, um, it looks like they have another two years with this core. And if they truly wanted to go a full two years um, due to cap purposes and stuff like that, they could go a full two years. The reason why the Niners lost the Super Bowl, in my opinion, um, was they never addressed the offensive line last offseason. Like, one of the biggest situ- situations was you let Mike McGlinchey go in free agency because he wasn't that great. You didn't want to pay what he was going to command in the open market, yet you didn't upgrade at the offensive line or even stay the same. You got worse at right tackle. Your right guard as a rookie, Spencer Burford, played well because he had a better right tackle next to him. In my opinion, Burford is truly a tackle, not a guard. Um, your center is a journeyman who you extended at a essentially a one-year deal. So in my opinion, I do think the offensive line, like you said, is below average. Even with Trent William, I think I think it's still below average. From center to the right tackle position, it's all replacement-level players, right? So for me, you can't win Super Bowls with an offensive line that's built off of replacement-level players. Those are backups, right? You don't want to be starting backups at those positions. Now, for me, I definitely think the biggest need is is offensive line, but I would argue defensive end is the second, the second or even more important than the offensive line. There's no one opposite of Nick Bosa, and I think that is a big, serious situation when you have going on. The Niners were struggling against the run. They were struggling to get after the quarterback. That's why they made trades for Randy Gregory. They made a trade for Chase Young because they understand their D-line needs someone opposite of Nick Bosa in order to be at their peak. So you could argue one of those positions are as valuable as or as big of a need 
as each other. Now, I'm going to go offensive line because I think your defense has too much talent to be saying, yeah. you know what, you need a front four that is the truly elite in order to win games. That's not true. You do need a much better offensive line to win Super Bowls. And if your offensive line is going the wrong way at the end of the season in the last game and the most critical situation on a passing situation, that tells you you don't have enough offensive linemen to win the Super Bowl. Now, I understand the Niners looking at linebackers, interviewing linebackers, uh, corners, defensive linemen. They're all needs. It's it's understandable. Now, everyone wants the Niners to go. Um, Cali, we'll get to this. We'll get to this one because I know both Rohan and I like this player. So we'll get to this question. But I want to go to um, this real quick prior because we both said offensive line is the biggest need. And this is going to lead us into the Darius Robinson comment and other comments as well. Could the Niners go a position that is not offensive line at pick 31? Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen, who's going to fall on the draft boards. But should the, should the pick 31, if it is not offensive line, or, or if it is someone there off the offensive line, should the Niners still go another route? Or can they go another route and afford to do so and not upgrade the offensive line at pick 31? Absolutely. I mean, this is the this is the bad, uh, not bad, but the unknown part about the draft. We're trying to project thirty other picks ahead of the Niners. That's tough to do. You never know how the NFL draft's going to go there because there are different runs of positions. You know, you'll you'll see potentially a run of corners, a run of receivers, but definitely in this draft, you'll see a run of offensive linemen because as teams see that position go off the board, they don't want to be the ones missing out on having a player at that position, especially if they're high on their board and they're in need. <clears throat> and so in this draft, you know, you might have, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe nine, maybe nine players, nine offensive linemen going yeah, the first round. I'm, that is ridiculous. Like, since November uh, was crazy. Is I, yeah. I remember back since November, I was telling Rohan, I have nine first round grades at least at that point in November. And I had not watched all the offensive linemen in this class with the first round grade. I don't, what, what do you have in terms of offensive line first round grades right now, Rohan? I believe I don't have it on me at the moment, but I believe it's between nine and 11. Uh, I think it's somewhere in that Makes range. Sense. And this is, this is not only tackles. This is overall like let, just, just thinking about it. I mean, guys like Joe all Olu Fashanu, JC Latham, Tylisi Fuaga, Mims, Marius Mims out of uh, Georgia, Tyler Guyton, potentially Troy Faotanu, potentially Kingsley Suyamata, and Jordan Morgan. That's what is that? Eight, nine tackles right there. That I, I have just nine need? tackles. I have, I know yeah, that's, I, I, off my board, I have nine tackles. I have one that's center. nine tackles. Um, then you have Jackson Powers Johnson at center and potentially Graham Barton at a Duke as a guard. I mean, it depends on where maybe you have these guys, um, you know, ranging from one range to another but there's a chance there could be a significantly amount a significant amount of offensive linemen off the board i believe this draft best positions the 49ers to go best player available now the question is whether they would do that because in previous drafts the issue is they've done that strategy in the later rounds not as much in the earlier rounds instead of reach for some needs and that have left them with talent that hasn't reached superstardom overall Whereas there were good players at that position that they could have selected. So I, I do think that there's a chance they don't go offensive line because you never know what run is ultimately going to happen within the first 30 picks of the draft. You also don't know, consequently, with runs happening, you don't know who's going to fall. There could be 
potential defensive tackles that fall. There could be a maybe even if you consider it a cornerback or a receiver that fall. There could be a lot of talented players that fall in this draft because this one isn't necessarily as top heavy. But I do think that there's a good range of starters that you can go ahead and get around at 31 that the 49ers will be interested in. And I think this is a great, great point, right? Because I know a lot of us want the Niners to go O-line. It makes sense to, you know what, There's a it's a deep offensive line class. It's it's the perfect opportunity to upgrade your offensive line. But I also think, too, when you're drafting in the first round, I think what a lot of teams do um, and they struggle and it makes their roster worse is they draft for need. I, I, don't, I truly think when you're drafting in the first few rounds, I truly am a firm believer. You want to go best player available or the best athlete available in terms of you developing them um, and getting the athlete, right? Because a lot of times teams will go best player available or a draft for need. For example, look what happened when the Niners drafted Javon Kinlaw, right? Example, yep. exhibit A, Javon Kinlaw, the Niners straight away defensive tackle, then all becomes their biggest draft need or their biggest need on their roster. They take Javon Kinlaw, who, in my opinion, was not the best player available on the board. I thought Tristan Wirfs was. They passed on Wirfs to get Kinlaw. And now there's, there's a big gaping hole at the offensive line position where Wirfs would be playing right now. So for me, I, I'm definitely a firm believer of go best player available. Um, there are positions that the Niners could go that is not offensive line. Um, let's go ahead and talk about it, right? There's, we've been looking for an edge guy for as long as possible. Officer Nick Bosa, shout out to Ryu Ken. Kelly Young mentions Darius Robinson, Rohan. Now, he's projected as a edge rusher, defensive tackle. In my opinion, he is a defensive tackle in the Niners system. I don't think he wins fast enough and wins with his hands enough on the outside, um, outside of his power and his bull rush that he has. Um, at the Senior Bowl, he was phenomenal, probably one of the better players at the Senior Bowl. What are your thoughts on going Darius Robinson at 31, and would you be for it doing so? I think that he's a player that would be uh, would be a fit, you know, in terms of um, in terms of the talent. I, I'm maybe not as met, maybe not as clear cut of a fit as other players, but I think in terms of BPA, he would be a player who you could consider at thirty one. I agree. I don't think that he's an edge in this class, and I think this class is a little intriguing because there are a couple of these three four defensive ends that I feel like are good players that could be intriguing for the 49ers. I think there are a number of them in this class ranging across the board from the early rounds to the mid rounds as well. Darius Robinson, in my opinion, is one of them. A guy who would fit a lot of three, four systems. I think he, um, you know, he's got a good bull rush. He can pass rush. And that's something you want out of your defensive tackles. And with that size, you know, he's, he's athletic, he's athletic for his size. And I think that that's going to help you um, because that's the type of mold the Niners like out of the defensive tackles. A little bit undersized. They like good athleticism, and they like players who can end up being good pass rushers. That was what they were hoping to get out of a guy like Javon Kinlaw with the way that he was powerful and explosive. Ultimately, the injuries never worked out, but I think that that could be a potential option. Now, the question is, one, will he be there at 31? I'm anticipating he will. And two, who else is going to be there at 31 that the Niners might prefer as a better fit? I think, though, Robinson, Robinson would be a guy who I think the Niners would have on their board. I definitely think he's he's an option, right? Um, when you look at him, um, based off of some of the notes I took from on him, he's physical at the point of attack. He's a technician against the run. He can stack and shed. Uh, he has the ability to get after the quarterback, and he has a, a nasty rip swipe move um, that's pretty filthy. Um, 
He could be go inside and outside in pass rushing uh, downs. So if you wanted to put a faster edge rusher outside of him um, and put him at the defensive tackles spot, he could do so. He could he could also rush from outside if you wanted to keep Armstead and Hargraves in the game. So he's capable of providing position versatility. Um, but my opinion, like just seeing him outside, he's just too reliant on his power as a pass rusher, and that to me, that is an issue, right? Like I said, like outside as a rusher that's i want i want someone who could win with their hands win with their speed do a variety and and power like i don't want to just a power guy because that ends up being a guy like if you pay attention to chase young this year i felt like he was too reliant on his power like he didn't use his hands didn't use any tech really technique of the technician and that's why he was struggling with the niners if you go back to drake jackson in my opinion if, if, if darius robinson is rushing from the outside it's the same thing as Drake Jackson rushing from the outside. I think Drake Jackson has more bend than Robinson. Um, the flexibility of Robinson was a concern on the outside. So looking at that, I think I don't, I wouldn't be for the Darius Robinson situation if the Niners plan on playing him at edge. If they plan on playing him at defensive tackle, great, great pick at defensive tackle, but I'm not a fan of him outside. Um, I know Eska in the comments says Chop Robinson or Graham Barton or Jordan Morgan. Chop Robinson outside of Nick Bosa at 31 would be a great pick. Good speed guy is a guy who could win with his athleticism. He is a little bit raw in terms of pass rushing. Um, I do like the, the fit with the Niners, especially in their scheme. Um, I'm a fan now, Nick, uh, uh, for Graham Barton, I'm not too sold on him for the Niners offensive scheme. I'm really not. I think he's doesn't have the athleticism that Kyle wants from guards or his centers. So for me, I'd rather not, I'd rather stay away from Graham Martin, in my opinion. That's just me. I do think he's a hell of a player, but for what Kyle likes to do, I'm staying away from Graham Martin. Jordan Morgan, I think he's a, is a really good tackle. My biggest concern with, with Jordan Morgan is his film at Arizona is phenomenal. One of the, the more well, uh, well-rounded offensive tackles in this draft class. The only issue is, is he came in and measured with shorter arms than I anticipated at the com at the Senior Bowl. I'm curious to see how he measures at the combine. I mean, he measured in with 32 and I believe seven eighths um, inch length arms. To me, I have a minimum of 33 for tackles. I do see Jordan Morgan potentially having to move in at guard, but I think he's capable. The only thing where I'm I'm okay with Jordan Morgan is he has everything needed to play tackle, I would give him the opportunity and the, the ability, the option to try to win the right tackle spot. Um, I think he'd better suited at right tackle um, than the left tackle in the NFL, but he may have to transition to guard. I'm curious to what you have to say, Rohan, about these three players. Um, I'm very high on, I'm very high on Robinson. I don't think he makes it to 31. I don't yeah. think teams let that kind of talent or athleticism fall to 31. It just doesn't make sense for someone to, let an edge rusher with high upside. He really has high upside. So it's kind of with how raw he is, the upside's there. So I don't think he makes it. So what are your thoughts on these three players being available at 31? Who would you take or who is the go-to guy for you? Yeah, I think when I talk about runs at positions, I can very clearly see that at edge. I don't know how many defensive players go in the top 10 with such a such a offensive heavy class, at least early on with the quarterbacks and the receivers and the offensive tackles. However. I think that when that run on defensive end comes, I think a couple of teams are going to really look to get them. There are really, I think, 
four guys who teams might target in the first round, Dallas Turner, Leatu Latu, Jared Verse, and then Chop Robinson. I think those are the four guys who teams are going to target ahead of the Niners in the first round. And so there might be a quick run on, uh, on defensive ends where you might see those four go. Robinson's intriguing because I think, I mean, you can't teach his type of, uh, his type of explosiveness, you know, that first step. Yeah. Off the edge. Of course he's a raw guy. And I wonder whether that kind of offsets the 49ers or puts them off a little bit because of their inability to, uh, develop a guy like Drake Jackson who had, you know, the bend who had that type of athleticism and ultimately wasn't able to, at least not yet, hasn't been able to develop. So I think that Robinson would be intriguing. As for Barton and Jordan Morgan, Barton, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm curious to see whether the 49ers would treat him as a guard or a tackle, same as Jordan Morgan. But there are so many offensive line talents in this class. And so I think that there's going to be – I'm also curious to see if Morgan falls to 31, but I think there's a lot of offensive line talent in this class that honestly – and this is usually not the case for offensive linemen, it could be best player available at 31. Absolutely. And for me, when we speak of Chop Robinson, I think he, the talent's there, the the player's there, right? It's For me, what concerns me at 31 is how raw of a player is and how he doesn't key on run plays. He doesn't understand how to key run plays, and I think that could be an issue on the Niners. Like, how often does he play in the first round? Um, so for me... That's a concern. Um, now, I do see... I wanted to bring the point to Rohan, but I, he's going to be gone for a little bit. So um, I do see a lot of people saying, I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners dropped a defense alignment in the first round. Uh, the Niners are going defensive tackle at 31. Shout out to 49ers faithful forever. Um, I see a lot of uh, people talking about defensive line. Um, 49ers faithful also talks about Beal and don't eat chop. Um, I definitely disagree. I, I think if... I would 100% take Chop over Beal. I think they're both raw in terms of pass rushing ability. But for me, Rohan, if Chop is there at 31, right? But you also have someone who, an offensive tackle that you have as good of a grade on, or if not, maybe a slight less grade. Mm -hmm. I personally think if you're going to go underdeveloped edge rusher in this class, I truly would wait until the second round, until your second round pick, and take Austin Booker. You know, I've been high on Austin Booker, and if you're looking for a guy with that that first explosive step, that's Austin Booker, a guy with arm length, wingspan, athleticism. You could use him as a, a true pass rusher. Um, I think he's more developed as a pass rusher than um, he's given credit for. Now, he has uh, the lack of film. He only has, I believe, 550 reps due to only playing one year at Kansas and transferring um, from Minnesota. I think he's a phenomenal player. I personally think if he would have went back to school, he would be a first-round talent next year. Um, so I'm definitely like at that point, like at the grade for me from Chop Robinson to Austin Booker isn't so far off for me in terms of Chop Robinson has more film that I was able to evaluate, and I have a more detailed f- uh, evaluation on him versus Austin Booker stand out at the at the Senior Bowl going up against talent is one of my opinion you could argue he was the best player at the senior bowl in terms of defensive line. Now, for me, there's a there's a, a situation where the Niners could truly value going need in this draft because of the players available later in the draft. Now, should the Niners, and this is a conversation that it's always going to be had, should the Niners draft for need or should they draft best player available 
this class is a perfect draft class to draft for need um, due to offensive tackle or offensive lineman being a huge need. And with so many offensive linemen having a first round grade, would you go best player available or would you go offensive lineman? So, for example, I'm going to give you a, a hypothetical situation. If the Niners have a first round grade on an offensive lineman, but they also, there's a defensive tackle there, Byron Murphy. And this is hypothetical. The uh, Byron Murphy has a higher grade, and I know you have a high grade on him because so do I. And that's why I'm yeah. giving you this hypothetical because it's the best player available at this point. Would you take the offensive lineman who has the first round grade, or would you take the best player available at that situation, whether it's a cornerback, Byron Murphy, um, guys like that? What would you do in this situation? Should that, or actually, what should the Niners do? Not necessarily you, but what should the Niners do? Yeah. So I'm going to treat this hypothetical as. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Just, you know, just like one of those type of players where I might have a higher grade. Byron Murphy, maybe you had like Kool-Aid McKinstry, you know, maybe uh, Quinton Mitchell, that kind of guy. First of all, it's Byron Murphy. I'm 100% taking Byron Murphy. But in Same. general, Same. overall, you're talking about offensive tackle versus a guy who you might have just a little bit of a higher grade on. Um, I understand what you mean in terms of drafting for need, understanding that there are players that you could take at a later round. The only issue with that philosophy is you can't project what goes on in the next round to where your player might be gone that by that I, time. I would argue you could, though, Rohan, because remember when the Niners did draft uh, George Kittle, right? They had a third-round grade on him, right? Yeah. They projected, and that's when, and I don't know if Adam Peters actually said this. He said, we projected that we could get him in the fifth round. He said, we understood that his third round grade was a third round grade for us. But when we spoke to other people and we spoke around the, to the league, other personnel, they didn't have him as a third round grade. But he said, due to the production, we knew we could get him in the fifth round and get away with it. So you actually could, like if you kind of, you can in a sense. I, I agree. Like you can in a sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the example I'll point to is Cam Taylor Britt back in, what was it? 2022. I mean, 2022. And I, I mean, I think I tweeted out this earlier because I mean, I watched Cam Taylor Britt this year. That was a Phenomenal. big miss. That was a big miss for the 49ers getting that corner. I mean, if Cam Taylor Britt's on this team, the corner, I mean, that secondary is stacked, but um, the 49ers, you know, the, the point I'm making is you can project the round. It's just sometimes hard to project whether you get your specific guy, but in terms of draft for need or draft for BPA, if the grade itself is not that staggering to the point where you're willing to go ahead and take the player that fits your team better at this current moment, I'd do that. However, if there's a player who you believe is above the others, if there's a mid first round player available at 31, I'm taking that guy 100%. I don't even care if it's a receiver. If because there are at times where you're going to find a way to utilize that player, or you can find different ways in your future to project to involve that player as a key cornerstone. For example, let's finally let's just hypothetically say that's Byron Murphy. You now understand you have a franchise defensive tackle there in your system. So when you're allocating money for the future, 
You realize that Byron Murphy is one of the cornerstone guys. You now ha- can free up some of the money at defensive line. You're not attached to certain players that you might be attached to otherwise, given the lack of a, an immediate, you know, an immediate guy to fill that void. And so that's where I think you could go uh, with the best player available. However, if the draft grade, let's say between a Chop Robinson and maybe a Kingsley Suiyamata is very slim, then I would take the tackle, understanding that he could better fit your team currently, and that could work. So it's it's interesting because when you talk about drafting for best player available, it's best player available relative to your roster because best player available also involves the impact they could have on your roster. You're not going to draft a quarterback if you have an elite quarterback already on you your sure roster. About that? If you let's, I mean, if you have. I mean, let's say, okay, let's say let's say for hypothetical reasons, right? Mm-hmm. If if you get a guy like JJ McCarthy, if he falls to thirty one, and he's projected trading the, the pick, 10, I'm trading, trading the pick. pick. I'm getting you value would, for that pick. I'm trading look, the pick, and I'm getting as much value as I can for that pick. You you wouldn't. So at this, hold on. So you're telling me you're gonna give up, and this is for me, right? Best player available, but what also comes into it is, even though it's not a draft, the quarterback wouldn't be a draft need, right? Yeah. I'm not giving up four years, three to four years of a rookie controlled contract when I could turn around like a flip Brock Purdy for draft picks. So for me, like, that's fair. Also, too, like you also like we also put it got to put it into the fact in the sense of not, and I'm not saying this is like a you you thing or anything, but like what a lot of times people don't realize is if the opportunity presents itself, it changes how a team views the draft, right? Like like you're saying, who yes. falls in this draft? We don't know. We don't know, if, like, like we don't know if a team is super high, a a super high draft pick or whatever. Um, falls, for example, when Jalen Carter was projected to go top top three, right? He was a phenomenal mm-hmm. player. Something happens right before the draft or that situation. Um, I'll give for- you an even like a, a good example that for a team that people don't like in this chat, Dallas Cowboys getting C.D. Lamb at seventeen that year. C.D. Lamb was not going to be there. Fell all the way to 17. They had Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, and they took CeeDee Lamb. And that wasn't a draft need. So, like, for me, that's what I kind of, like, kind of mentioning. Like, you kind of got to go. If that happens, for example, if J.J. McCarthy falls at 31 and you have a top 10 pick on him, like, you have a top 10 draft grade on him. He played in the national championship. He played against top talent. It's not the same thing as the Trey Lance situation where you're projecting this quarterback to be something. So, at that point, that's when you go best player available, right? Like same thing for defensive tackle. It's not really a need. You have Armstead and Hargrave there, but if Murphy falls to 31, you kind of go best player available. So I, I, I'm really, I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, But to me, the only thing with the quarterback thing is I do, I do involve when it comes to best player available, I do involve the impact they could have on your team. That's the one other argument for me that I involve. The reason for J.J. McCarthy is because the Niners still have two years of cost control on Brock Purdy without the franchise tag. And so technically, if we're just hypothetically saying that's four years of team control you still have because you could tag him twice and it would still be at a reasonable enough price. So because of that, I don't project J.J. McCarthy seeing the field for the entirety of his rookie contract ahead of his fifth year option. And that is why I would personally move that pick move back maybe a few spots and take value at that selection um, and get the most that you can by um, throwing up J.J. McCarthy on the block. 
And I, I think it's I agree with you in the sense of what you've seen from Brock, you can't discredit, right? Like it's it's pretty it's been there. Like, like he showed he's a great, great quarterback, at least for now. But at the same time, I'm looking at JJ McCarthy and I'm looking at ceilings, right? Who has the higher ceiling? Who has the the more ability? Because at the end of the day, a quarterback position, I think JJ McCarthy is a really good quarterback in this draft class. But you gotta also look at is it worth it to do it, right? Is it worth and at that point it's a quarterback position, it's a quarterback driven league. If Kyle and John have a top ten grade, a top ten grade on him, it kind of would be impossible for them to to let it go because you're getting extreme value at 31. It's kind of like the Lamar Jackson situation in Baltimore in, in a way. You're getting that fifth year option. Uh, That's a good example. But for me, we're talking about players and what their value will be to the Niners year one, right? Yeah. Last year, the Niners came out and Kyle Shanahan was talking about how he doesn't foresee a rookie coming in and beating out Colton McKivitz as a rookie. And to me, I thought that was an interesting take because we had not seen Colton McKivitz play much. And when we did, it wasn't great. As a spot starter, he, it was not great. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Now, with a deep draft class, can a rookie come in and beat out Colton McKivitz year one? Now, Kyle said one thing last year. But could he be thinking another thing now since we saw the play of Colton McKivitz wasn't great? Could Kyle be thinking and John Lynch be thinking something else this year? So what are your thoughts on Colton McKivitz against the rookie? Now, this is a conversation we briefly and I, had. Let's but go we ahead saved. and before, before, before we continue. This is true. Pure hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. making it to 31. We're just sometimes He's, I like uh, to bring up some crazy stuff and have a yeah, conversation yeah. for fun. <laughs> It was a hypothetical. Uh, just wanted to clarify that we're not insinuating that the Niners are moving off Brock Purdy or that JJ McCarthy is going to be a 49er. That's very, very unlikely to happen. Going back though to the topic, can a rookie offensive tackle beat out Colton McKivitz? Me and Marco, we had a brief conversation, but wanted to save it for the show. To me, this is an intriguing topic because we, we as outsiders, view the offensive tackle situation probably a lot differently than the Niners view theirs. I think the Niners. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan have a, a a specific way of developing their offensive linemen, and I think that that way takes a little longer than what fans expect um, that that process to take because of how complex it is to learn this specific system as an offensive lineman, and the way uh, also just who are you going to play around? It's not like whoever you drafted offensive tackle for right tackle is going to play next to Trent Williams. You're probably going to play around either another young guy or a, a guy who hasn't been in the system uh, for that long, be it Spencer Burford or a guy who you signed in free agency. And so that's an, uh, that's another part where you're inexperienced playing with a guy who might not be the best player for uh, this specific system. And so to me, can a rookie offensive tackle beat out Colton McKivitz? I truly believe it depends on the player. And I also wonder, uh, as a follow-up, I, I do think that, I wonder if the 49ers and their draft grades are altered a little bit in terms of the projection for potential versus ready now. Are the 49ers more willing to take a ready now player if that's the case? And we'll we'll figure that out on draft day. I think that that illustrates a little more their willingness to potentially create a competition at right tackle. However, if it's a guy who is a little more inexperienced, a guy who you might not trust to potentially be ready in year one, Maybe just hypothetically, a guy like Amarius Mims, who personally I believe is going to be a really good player, um, then you might see a, a shift. 
you, you, you might see more development and then potentially him starting in year two. Can a rookie offensive tackle beat out Colton McKivitz? Yes. But I do think, personally, while the chance is still fairly high, I do think that there is a there's still a good chance that 49ers still might trot out Colton McKivitz next year at right tackle. I think that there's a chance like that, and a lot of people aren't necessarily grasping it because the, 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 the idea of drafting a tackle at 31 is very realistic. But I still think even if they draft a tackle at 31, there's a good chance potentially that Colton McKivitz still trots out as the week one starter. Perhaps there's a midseason change. Perhaps, you know, there's uh, a change of the bye week, whatever it may be. But I, I, I think that there, there is some realisticness that this might not be the case come week one. And that's a great point, right? Because many people don't, as, as much as we dock Colton McKivitz, right? He wasn't great. He wasn't good. He was average. Now, it's definitely a question for concern in terms of the Niners and how they evaluated Colton McKivitt's situation. They didn't bring anyone in to compete with him, not even free agent, not even a cheap free agent. Didn't bring any rookies in to compete. They just gave him the job. And I thought to me, I thought that was really interesting. I thought that kind of spoke highly of how Kyle felt of him. Um, I didn't care for the contract that they extended him to. I thought it was more of a, you know what? this speaks volumes of him being a backup. I thought it was a nice swing tackle contract. Um, and it's unfortunate that the designers didn't bring anyone to compete. Now I do think rookies, any rookie I have as a first round grade, I think would beat them out in terms of offensive tackles. I truly believe any rookie I have with the first round grade would beat them out. And the only problem is, is this Kyle and John Lynch feel a Super Bowl ready team could win a Super Bowl with the rookie right tackle. Like, yeah. That's the biggest yeah. concern, right? I agree. Yeah. And here's what I'll say. I'll add this one extra tidbit, and maybe you disagree with me, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I honestly don't care if the guy starts week one as long as he's starting by the by the time we get to the playoffs. I believe that a first-round tackle should be ready by the time week 17 comes. But I also think that when you talk about the regular season, I think the 49ers have proved, shown it, throughout the last six, seven years that they can make do with average to below average play at right tackle throughout the regular season and still win games. The issue is when it truly comes to the playoffs, and that's where, you know, this is somewhat of an intriguing situation. Could you do a 50-50 type split like they did with Burford every two series or so? Am I a fan of that? No, I'm not a big fan of um I I don't believe that it, it's a, it's a good uh system. I don't think it helped either right guard when they were doing that system. But I also wonder are you going to look to are you going into the offseason looking to potentially develop this right tackle to be ready prepared to kind of start mid-season um and then kind of insert him in there after that so that he gets enough game reps to be ready for the playoffs? Or what's kind of the uh, uh, what's what's a different alternative? Because if they don't beat him out week one, I'm not sure. I'm 100% confident that Colton McKivitz is going to be the starter for the whole season. I think that there still would be a plan behind the scenes to amp up the reps for a rookie tackle so that they'd be ready when they're needed. I agree with you. I don't care if he doesn't start week one. Like I truly don't. Now I get you want your first rounders to start week one. We also saw Aaron Banks not play year one as a second rounder, and people called him a bust. They're like, oh, he's terrible. Are you taking second round offensive lineman? Look how he's turned out. I think he's a, a average, really a, a really good guard. I think he's one of the better guards um, in the NFC in terms of as a starter. Now, every team, you at least need one starting like 
really good guard, and I think he's that for the Niners right now. You can't have offensive linemen that are all great, except you're the Cowboys, um, and they still lose in, this, in the playoffs, right? Like, just it's unfortunate. But when you look at the Niners, I would truly speed rush an offensive tackle, and the way I would do that, Rohan, is every rep is against Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, you're going to dominate this rookie every freaking play in training camp, in mini camp. I need you to get this rookie ready by week one. Hey, if he's not ready by week one, that's fine. You're going up against him every day in practice. You're get, we're going to get this guy. We have the best edge rusher in the NFL. Utilize him to develop your tackle, right? That's what I would do if I'm, if I'm Kyle Shanahan to get my right tackle ready. I truly think that's the best way to go about it. Um, speed rush it and have Nick Bosa go up against him every play. Um, I do think the Niners kind of draft an offensive tackle in the first round. I think it's the smarter decision with so many first round talent at right uh, at offensive line, whether it's a guard tackle. I think tackle brings more value. Um, and I think typically if you're looking for a starter, uh, this is the class you want to do it in. Um, now, we're talking about offensive linemen, cornerbacks, D linemen. If you had to choose right now, what would you say the pick is in the first round at 31, assuming there's a first just assuming there's a first round talent at 31 for offensive linemen, cornerback, and defensive linemen? That's a good question. Um overall, if I was to guess right now, I would not say corner. I don't believe that one of the top four corners would be there. Um and uh, what do you call it? In Terion Arnold, in uh, Kool Aid, or sorry, top three Kool Aid or uh, Quinion Mitchell. I don't think that they're going to be there, and so I, I don't think it'd be corner, um, offensive line or defensive line. I think that's a good question at the moment. I would probably go offensive line. I, I do think that it would be an offensive lineman. I'm curious to see how the defensive line kind of uh, plays out in terms of how those players go. I do think though that there's not going to be enough of a run that all 11 first round offensive linemen go within the top 31 picks. I think that teams are going to overvalue other players. Quarterback always gets, you know, uh, a bit amped up. You might see, you're definitely going to see four quarterbacks get drafted uh, in the first round. Maybe one other guy sneaks in. I mean, receivers, there are four to five solid receivers in this class. I think overall, when you count it up, it's going to be hard to find, um, uh, spots for all 11 first round potential first round offensive linemen. And so to me, I'm going to go with offensive line at this stage, but as we've kind of highlighted throughout this whole episode, there are a variety of options that could ultimately end up being the pick here at 31. My guess though, right now is offensive line. Where are you? So I'm stuck because it all depends on what defense alignment is there in that first run at 31. If it's someone that, I truly believe is a, is a better player than the offensive tackles or the offensive linemen in general. Um, I truly think the Niners go offensive tackle. I think it's going to end up being one of the top offensive linemen. Um, I think I personally think it's Kingsley. I think the Niners love him uh, from what I've heard and based off his film. How I personally like I've been telling I've been super high on Kingsley for a while. And if he's there, it doesn't make sense for the Niners to not take him. He has right tackle versatility, right tackle, left tackle versatility, um, has potential to be the best offensive tackle in this draft class, and he could potentially go as the last offensive tackle in the first round. Looking at the Niners, 
the way they see things. If one of the top, let's say a receiver falls, I think Kyle loves at 31. Preparing for the future. Debo Samuel might not be on the roster after next season. The Niners could develop a receiver. I mean, pairing a a receiver, but it also doesn't make sense when they plan on extending Jawan Jennings. So I think I'm ruling receiver out, at least for now. Um, At least for round one. I don't know if there's going to be, like the guy who I had an earlier crush on was Brian Thomas Jr. I just don't envision him being there at 31. I think that they're talented receivers, but like we are starting to find out in previous classes, you're going to get good receiver value later in the draft as well. On day two, there'll definitely be receiver value in this class, potentially even further than that. I definitely think that's the case. Um, I know, Rohan, you and I were both at camp. Um, You were there a lot more than I was. How many times did you see McKivitt go up against Bosa in camp? Not, Not often, much. Right? Um, I didn't see no, it, it. Both Bosa didn't play that much during camp. Remember, he he'd sit out. It's not usual for him and or Trent Williams to play. It usually they'll be Bosa versus Trent. When you when you see him play, it usually be Bosa versus Trent. Then I see pockets. Uh, the cheesecake says, "Did we lose a corner? We did not lose a corner." Um, expecting maybe Emo to the cut outside. The cut. I think he maybe Isaiah Oliver. If that's what you're asking, uh, we released be. him. Yeah, uh, released I think him. More so, so, yeah, I think he's more so trying to imply that we're mentioning go corner in round one. Um, so I think he's saying like, what starter did we lose? Um, now we did move Demo inside, which hurt outside corner. Ambry Thomas had to step in and play. Um, I didn't think he was as bad as many people are giving him slack for. I didn't. I didn't think he was terrible. But it's also if you could upgrade at corner, that's one of their weakest links on defense. So if, at that point, it's like if you could get a corner who is a lockdown corner in the round one, or, or do you feel like he could be potentially that guy? Um, you got to upgrade. Now, this is a good point. Do you think the Niners could give the defensive coordinator a new gift in the first round? Like, hey, you know what? If, for example, if it's um, defensive coordinator from Kansas City, uh, let's say he comes over and the Niners are kind of intriguing him with, hey, first round talent, we could help. you could pick it. That's going to be your decision. Uh, at the defensive line spot or corner spot, you, you've coached defensive backs, you know what you're looking for. Could that be an intriguing way to bring over a defensive coordinator that you really like? I think that that could be a way, but I also, you, you got to question who it would be. Because like I said, it, it all really depends on the runs. To me right now, there are, I think, probably around eight defensive players that I would probably take in the first round. There are three corners with Arnold Mitchell McKinstry, um, at least for the Niners' sake. You got a couple of edges. I think there are four edges with Turner, Latu, Verse, and Robinson, and then three tackles with Newton, Murphy, and Darius Robinson. So I think that, you know, outside of that group, I, I'm, I question who exactly the 49ers would look to target at 31 over the existing talent offensively. And again, that's what, eight players or so, nine players that I named? You question whether all nine of those guys will be available by the time 31 comes. So I would not be surprised if one of those names falls and the Niners like them at 31 to the point where they end up drafting him. But outside of that, I don't envision them reaching for a defensive player just to draft a defensive player to suit their uh, defensive coordinator, especially if there's good offensive talent on the board like I anticipate with the amount of tackles in this class. I 100% agree. I don't think they they entice a, a defensive coordinator. I mean, the way I would entice a defensive coordinator to come over here is, look, I got Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. 
I got Dre Greenlaw, who should be back by week one, hopefully, if not by midseason. Um, I have a good defensive line, Trivarius Ward. I got Talano Hufanga coming back, a promising young rookie, Jair Brown. That's how you entice a defensive coordinator to come. You have all the pieces to win to win a championship on this roster. Obviously, we were just in the Super Bowl. That's how you bring someone. I don't think you tell a defensive coordinator, hey, you know what? We'll let you choose that pick. Because what's the purpose of doing all this draft work and prepping and having all your scouts and your executives do this work just to let one guy make the decision? A guy who has not really done the true work, the homework, right? You can't have someone take a test if they haven't prepared for it. And I think that would be the issue um, if they did with the defensive coordinator. Um, Rohan, you obviously you obviously will be at the Senior Bowl tomorrow. Is there any players in particular you're looking forward to to speak to at the Combine? Anyone you're looking forward to in terms of watching do drills, for, run the 43 cone, um, anyone you're, you're keying in on? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I love this kind of at uh, this time. I'm starting to really delve into a lot of these positions, starting off with corner. I mean, I've done some work on specific prospects, but starting to develop, you know, go into these positions a little more in depth. So I'm very curious to see how a lot of players perform because, you know, the combine is a place where a lot of different players ultimately make more money or potentially fall in the draft, even though it's not necessarily just because of what they do with the combine. I think that's the case tomorrow. I'm excited because it's the DBs. DBs are uh, expected to, uh, to talk tomorrow. Um, I believe it's DBs and it's um, tight ends tomorrow. So curious to see, or I'm definitely going to be talking with a lot of those DBs. I'd expect the Niners to pick up, you know, John Lynch said you expect a corner draft. I'm expecting the Niners to pick up at least one DB. But then tight end is also an intriguing position because Niners might look for a TE too. And there could be value, you know, in the end of the second round. There could be value at the end of the third round. Some of the guys the Niners might like. So definitely intrigued, especially at tight end. Um, my guy, uh, a guy who does a lot of good analytical work over at Sumer Sports, uh, Ted Seth, he's put out a bunch of graphics highlighting how important the RAS scores and tight end kind of production go oh, together. Yeah. And that's something that, that I, I've really started to look into and it's, it's intriguing how they fit. So the position that I'm kind of curious about at the combine is how well are these tight ends going to kind of run? How are they going to test? And how well do their profiles kind of, you know, sum up together? Because I think that that's a, a good indicator of how well they'll fare in the NFL as productive, not only blockers, but pass catchers. What's crazy is I don't think the tight end that's getting all the love and the credit, Brock Bauer, I don't think he, I don't think he's worth the first round selection. And I'm curious to see his raw score, because if he runs slower or he's smaller than anticipated and his raw score does drop. I wonder how that translates because that's I saw the same thing you're looking at, and it's definitely um, a situation that the 49ers or not 49ers but NFL in general um, obviously focuses on. Obviously, the Niners tight end raw score was outstanding, George Kittle. But then you also look at guys like Latu, guys like Braden Willis who they draft Latu they drafted in the third round. Talent was like the athlete wasn't there, so definitely in interesting. Um, a guy that I, I want kind of want you to focus on a little bit. Um, I know his name's not really being thrown out there um, as much. Uh, Braylon Trice from Washington of edge rusher. Yeah. I think he's a, a good guy who potentially, if the Niners are looking for edge rushers right in that first round, um, he's potentially a guy who could go back into the first round, depending on how teams view him. Um, Austin Booker, um, one of my favorites in this draft class. Um, I'm curious to see how 
Um, I don't know if Johnny Wilson, I know a lot of people are, are hyped on him, how he performs. Obviously, you and I were, you text me the other day about him, and I said, I'm not a fan at all. Like, big guy, six foot seven receiver. Um, but he's not, he's not a good athlete, in my opinion. He's not, doesn't have strong hands, can't win 50 50 balls. Like, there's not much there. Um, curious to see a player I'm really curious to see perform at the senior bowl. And it's only because I think he's a later round guy who the 49ers could definitely uh, peek at. Uh, there's two of them. I have a safety, not the safety isn't a later round guy, but Jaden Hicks out of Washington state. Um, I know you guy. like him. Yeah. I want to see how he runs and how he, his lateral movement. And then lastly, I want to see um, Hunter Norzard, Norzad. Um, film shows he's a, a good athlete. I want to see him run. I want to see him do three, the three cone drill, um, I'm just very curious on seeing the athlete in him because obviously the pass protection is phenomenal. Run blocking, I would like to see a little bit more out of him. Um, but again, a center who you could get in the later rounds who you don't have to take as high and you could develop him with you truly think Brendel is a guy that won't be beat out by a rookie. But any other guys you have that are late guys or anything like that that you're like, you know what, I want to see him. Yeah, I mean, there was a guy, I don't know who shouted him out, um, a linebacker who talked a little bit today, Jordan McGee at a Temple. Um, it seems like he 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 might be a late riser. I'm curious to see how he, he tests overall. Um, I got a special, well, personal guy, uh, Tanner Bordellini, guy who played at Wisconsin, luckily to cover him the last two years. I think he's a good athlete, and I think he would be a talented player in on, on day three that should go. Uh, he's an athletic guy. Curious to see how he tests overall as well. Um, I think, yeah, but there's a lot of good talent. There's a lot of good talent. I I'm very curious though. I think the position I might be most curious on, on top of tight ends is I want to see which one of these corners puts on a show, because I think that a lot of the corners in this class, I was telling Marco, especially at the top have very similar profiles. I want to see which ones can kind of distinguish themselves a little bit. I don't think it's going to change too much in terms of evaluations, but with such similarities with certain players, you want to see what are the slight differences with certain guys and things like that. And so I'll definitely be looking at having a close look at the corner class overall. I think the corner class is interesting because after the first round, I kind of, I truly do believe it falls. Like there's not, it's not like there's, there's a pretty good gap after the first round, in my opinion. I, I don't think there's, there's a few second rounders, but after that, you're not going to truly get anyone until mid third, fifth round that you're like, okay, this guy could potentially, he has the traits to be a starter in the league. Uh, very, very interesting to see how the combine plays out. I'll be watching from home, but definitely I, all eyes on the offensive line for me, I, everyone offensive line wise. That's, that's where I'm at. I think Niners need to upgrade there. Um, also have my eyes on Adisa Isaac, who could potentially be a guy later rounds um, at the edge spot. Rohan will be there. Make sure you guys are following him on Twitter at Rohan Chak- Um, Make sure you guys subscribe to Rohan Chakravarti's personal channel. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button on Clutch Gene Sports for more draft content and more combine um, analysis and player analysis. If you guys have any questions on players, make sure you guys drop your comments uh, or DM me or Rohan on Twitter, and we could go ahead and answer those for you guys as well. Um, or even if you guys want to add us on Twitter, we could do it for the public to see as well, make it a little bit easier for everyone. Guys, I just want to say thank 
You're muted. For all of your questions in the chat today because we like these conversations. I, I like answering questions, seeing what you guys kind of think with your own personal thoughts on the draft, where we kind of go as well. Very grateful to be able to be credentialed to go to the Combine. We'll be there tomorrow through Sunday. For those of you at home, we are getting to talk with, um, what do you call it? Uh, as I said earlier, well, we're going to watch defensive linemen and linebackers tomorrow. Those are the guys who are going to be doing the drills and all of that tomorrow so that you're going to get to see, you know, which guys put on a show from that group. And then we get to talk with the DBs and tight ends tomorrow as well in terms of the interviews. Excited to see what I can put out for content. You know, we're going to, we're definitely going to have a lot uh, coming out, but great show. And um, we'll, we'll definitely have a lot of content this week. And then I know tomorrow, possibly, if you guys are wanting to tune in from Rohan's channel, I may possibly be doing a um, mock draft with David Lichty. Um, you guys may be familiar with him on Jesse Naylor's show. And then Friday, Rohan and I will be joining, possibly, uh, Rohan, I don't know if you're going to be able to make it time-wise, but we'll we should be, out. We'll be joining Ryan G. Hensley's show. And, and then after that, around 4.15, I'll have my regular show with Ashley Ariana. Um, so make sure you guys tap in at that subscribe button. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're out.